the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This is the fourth part in our series on growth. This week, Dave looks at how we can combat laziness in our Christian journey. The main reading is 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, well, last few weeks we've been looking at growing fruitfulness in every area. A few weeks ago we talked about our bodies, our souls, our thinking, our mind, which of course is always a battle in the mind, isn't it? That's where we win or lose. And of course our spirit, so that we, we were uh, putting some disciplines in and making sure that although we talk about it, we've got to do something about it. So we, we look at what we eat, we, have, uh, we, we put it in, into our, our schedule. Schedule? Schedule? Either, either or, potato, potato, vase, vase, vase. Um, uh, uh, fasting, because the world tells us fasting is good for us, isn't it? Of course, the Bible knew that long time. So we put in, in, in things deliberately, and uh, sometimes, you see, there's three G's I was thinking of the other day. Discipline, bless the Lord. We don't like that word, but of course, that is the hallmark of Christians. We are disciples. We are disciplined, or should be. Um... Uh, diligence, I like that word. We are diligent. The Bible just we just read there. Do 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 diligence with all eagerness and of course devotion because we love Him. We are devoted to what He is devoted to. Of course, the Word, prayer, Himself, the the fellowship of believers. And um, sometimes I was thinking, you see, you've got to do something sometimes as a duty before it becomes a delight. Or sometimes it's a duty, and that's because we are half-hearted. Okay, so that's sometimes it's a duty because we're not fully in there. We, Malachi, in the book of Malachi, they said, oh, we've had enough of doing this. He said, so we've had enough. Could you bring in the, half the rubbish, he said. Start doing it with all your heart and things. But, you know, there's a, there's a point where the, we've got to put it into our duty before it becomes a delight. I was thinking about our kids. And, of course, and, and, the, and the motivation, sometimes it feels like a duty. It doesn't mean you love less, does it? Um, you think of all the things you have to do for your kids. Dad, take me here. Dad, take me there. Okay. Jack. Um, <laughs> and of course, sometimes it was a bit of a duty, wouldn't it? Of course it was. But that didn't mean you loved them less. Of course, the motivation was love, but sometimes it was, you know, I'm going to go again, I'm going to run you in there. And sometimes you know, it's a duty, but it's a delight. Body Paulson, we read it last week. If I preach the gospel um, voluntarily, bless the Lord. If I preach it out of uh, forcing myself, compulsion, it's only because I'm a steward. He said, I've got to do it. Woe to me, I don't know, preach the gospel. So there's some things we've got to do. Um, prayer, and I, I, I remember listening to a uh, sermon many ago, prayer is one of those things, it's a duty sometimes. You, you, you've got to press through, you've got to push on. Why? Because it's the most difficult thing to do in the Christian walk, isn't it? Reading, well, we've got it in front of us, we read. Prayer, our senses are not involved. And as soon as you know full well, as soon as you get out to pray, a million things will come to your mind. I've got to do this, I've got to do that, this, that. If million distractions will come. And you've got to press in, you've got to discipline and be diligent um, with that. So we're looking at our growth. And I thought, well, today we'd look at um, uh, laziness. Bless the Lord. And um, yes, I come on, some of you mature folk, get up. And. Um, we're going to do a bit of weeding. 
as I'm, a, as I'm a bit of a gardener, I know I'm a bit of an expert at this. But you see, I know where the garden is. I know where the garden is. And I know, and I know where the rose, uh, rose looks like, and the grass looks like. Um, the interesting thing in the Word of God, uh, that God wants us, of course, fruitfulness God wants. He wants us to be more fruitful day by day, year by year, and we can, we can examine our fruit in a moment and, and, and what's happening. But you see, the, the, the um, fruitfulness is directly proportional to how good the soil is. Yeah? How good the soil is. And that's nothing to do with the law, that's to do with you. See, the soil is the heart. That's, when we look at the sower parable, remember, nothing wrong with the seed, because it's God's word. It was the soil it fell on that caused it either to grow or produce. And, um, and uh, let's just read that verse, which is fantastic. And of course, Luke, remember Dr. Luke always put some extra in for us to have a little to think about. Uh, Luke 8, 11 to 15. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who share it. When the devil comes, he takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they hear, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having used the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. You see, it, it is interesting there how um, Luke puts the heart issue, isn't it? A good heart, a noble heart, someone that will receive the word, watch over it and produce, will drive it in and persevere in it. And of course, those other, the, the, obviously the, uh, the careless hearer, the emotional hearer, you know, some of us have heard and we cannot, see this, it isn't just unsaved soil, it's talking about the, us as saved, because sometimes I don't know about you, I've heard some sermons, I've been so excited, oh Lord, emotional. Bless the Lord, I love that. And I thought, I'll have a bit of that. And of course, it hasn't really taken effect because I'm not very, I'm not pressed through in it. And it's, you know, when a bit of difficulty comes, oh, well, perhaps it wasn't true. <laughs> and you know, sometimes we've given up on certain things, haven't we? We've given up on certain issues, given up on certain uh, paths of ministry, maybe, or, or fruitfulness or character. We say, well, I can't change. I can't do this again. No, press in. The devil wants us to give up. The Bible says, he, Exodus 6 um, Moses went to the Israelites and the Bible says they didn't listen to him because of the hardness of the way and of their discouragement and the difficulty you were in because they were just being told you've got to make more stuff with less stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the hardness of the way, the discouragement of the way can sometimes cause us to give up. And the Bible says, no, 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 press in, press in. So uh, the first thing we look at is, of course, laziness. <laughs> and... Um, of course, we, well, that can be, we can be lazy in certain areas, can't we? Because some, some areas we can't be lazy, can we? Because we don't have the option. Um, if you go to work, you know, I'd love to have a sit down and a cup of tea, but I haven't got the option because uh, the, the patients keep coming and they, they, the boards will be, so they, I haven't got the option really. And that's like, 
you know, if you don't turn up, lovely. Um, a nice extra cup of tea. But that, that, some of us don't get the option. But they, in, obviously we're talking about biblical things now, spiritual things, and character flaws, and fruitfulness, and laziness. Let's, let's, and uh, of course, if you read Proverbs, we love Proverbs because I always chuckle when I read Proverbs. And the Proverbs is full of the people who are, he calls them sluggards, doesn't he? Lazy people. Um, sluggard causes, uh, craves and gets nothing. But the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. The way of the sluggard is blocked by thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. Um, let's read, uh, what's that? That's really the 24, um, 20 verse 4. Uh, a sluggard doesn't plough in season, so at harvest time he looks and finds nothing. See, that, I mean, that's common sense, isn't it? But we can be that silly because we've not produced anything, because we've not planted anything. We've not put anything in our lives. If we don't put the word in, you know, the, the, the scripture is, the Lord will bring it to remembrance when you need it. Well, you must remember, unless you put it in, you've got nothing to remind you. Okay. But that's why getting the word, remembering those verses, meditate them. So at the moment, the Holy Spirit picks up that word and applies it, reminds it. How about this, these verses? Uh, Proverbs 24, 30, 34. I went by the field of a lazy man, and by the barnyard of a man devoted of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles, its stone walls were broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sheep, a little stumber, a, a little fold, folding, 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 in the hands of, to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler. And you'll need like an armed man. See, I, I observed and I got wisdom. That's what God wants us to keep our eyes open and to see. Laziness causes unfruitfulness because it's overgrown. The walls have gone down, that's protection. The thorns have gone up and that's going to choke the very life out of the word of God, he says. Tells us that. So he said, be, get up. Don't be lazy or poverty will come. And it's just, again, we're not talking about, again, this is not talking about salvation. It's poverty of our, of our walk with the Lord, poverty of fruitfulness, poverty uh, in, in the gifts area. He doesn't want to be like that, does he? So that, it causes diligence. We need to be diligent. He tell, in 2, 2 Peter 1, which is amazing. I always find that amazing. Partakers of the divine nature. He's given us all that we need. We've got to allow it to take root and have its way, haven't we? And keep, make sure that the, the soil is good. Diligence. Uh, Hebrews 6, 7-12 For the earth which drinketh the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them, by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. For that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous, to forget your work and labour of love, which ye have showed towards uh, his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We want you to be as diligent as those who have gone before. You see, that's, again, we talked about the other day, didn't we, about being um, stumbling blocks and... Um, we, we, it isn't about me anymore, is it? Sunday, it was glorifying the Lord. And people are watching us, aren't they? Remember that the generation before are watching. And, and what are we going to leave for them? Mm -hmm. We think of the generations gone before. 
and when we when we read about their commitment and their their zeal, we sometimes get a bit embarrassed, don't we? Uh, because we got a job to do this and that, and uh, you know, there I always remember reading, um, thinking about Trinit in the Methodist, and and um, I remember meeting him many, many. I was we were on a honeymoon, and he was in his nineties, and he said, "Oh, I used to go about, come up and preach in Trinit." He said. I said, oh, I said, I used to, I used to get a lift to Crumlin and walk up all the way, he said, to come and preach. I'm thinking, oh, well done, buddy. Um, it's only a few miles, but still, he had to get up and he had to get back. And I mean, he's talking about the you know, 1940s, 50s. And so it, it, and we, we listened to the guys from Cross Keys. They went out, didn't they? All the way to Tinton and, and goodness knows what. There was, there was a zeal for the kingdom that, you know, that we can say, well, I can imitate that because that's an example uh, but I wonder sometimes, what are we leaving the generation behind? Oh, Lord, help us. Um, so imitate, diligence, um, that ability to um, uh, persevering. In, I love this word, industrious. Oh, the Lord loves that. Um, but laziness, remember, he, he don't like laziness. Remember he said to that at the talents last week, you lazy servant. You didn't even have enough nows to stick it in the bank. He said, you lazy servant. And he says to the Thessalonians, those who don't work, who could work, he said, have nothing to do with them to make sure they, if they don't work, they don't eat. I remember, um, this is a story about um, Pawson, a bit of a character. There was a chap in his church and uh, he wasn't a, what an old chap, but he, he didn't never worked. He was always doing this and doing that. And, Maybe, a, I don't know if he was a perpetual student anyway. Came to see him the one day and um, I, I, I took him in, have a chat, have a chat. And then Paulson's wife said, oh, lunch is ready. He said, okay, I'll see you again. He said, oh, and you invited me for lunch? He said, no, no, no. He said, you don't work, you don't eat. Um, we'll say, ooh, but I wonder if he learned his lesson. Because that's applying God's word pretty, pretty much as it is, isn't it? You don't work, you don't eat. Um, you know, if you can work. Not you, mature folk who've retired many years ago. <laughs> That's right there. But also laziness, but alertness. Um, what about this? Uh, just after the, the um, parable of the sower, there's another little parable, Matthew 13. Parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Listen to what he said. While they slept, the enemy sowed seed or weeds, seed of weeds. Um, while they slept, God help us to be alert and awake. Uh, because if we asleep and we, what did he say to the disciples? Watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. That word "watch" means to actually chase sleep away, run it away, and be, it means to be alert because the devil's prowling around. Remember, he wants a foothold to become a stronghold. Give him a bit of territory. That's why Ephesians says, "Don't give him a plot, a bit, even don't give him a little spot." Why? Because he can take advantage of that, and he'll, he'll become a stronghold, and he'll have difficulty shifting it. Um, so. He loves territory, doesn't he? We know we love it. What did he, what did those demons say that came out of that man? Ah, 
uh, let's go into them pigs by there. We don't want to leave this place. Let's, we want to stay. We want territory. We want to stay here. Uh, so while we're asleep, so let's be alert. So we want, again, have those weeds in our life. Romans 13, 11 to 14. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfil its lusts present time, high time to wake up, he said. And again, he's talking to the Romans there. How much more us, isn't it? High time to wake up because the Lord is coming soon. And if he's not coming soon, we are going home soon. Didn't want to upset you. Some of us are going home soon, aren't we? Rise up. I was just driving out today and I was looking as I was driving past some, some windows and people just sitting in front of their TVs. I thought, you know, we have one life to lead, one life to live and I, you know, we all do it, but it's such a waste of life, isn't it? What a waste of, uh, of that life that you have. And we forget, that's a devil's lie, isn't it? Teach us to number our days aright. Lord, we have one way. High time, what did Ephesians say? Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Bless the Lord. Be, uh, 1 Peter 5, be sober, alert. Um, the enemy prowls like a roaring lion. Sober and alert. Right, open your eyes to see. As soon as we sleep, the devil is not far away from coming in. And of course, we have uh, we will examine our fruit, of course. Examine our fruit, the Bible tells us, uh, the good fruit. We'll look at those in a minute, but it also tells us about the bad fruit. Have a look at it. What is it? Bitter, bitter fruit. Well, uh, Hebrews 12 says, be careful, watch each other so bitterness doesn't come. Be peace, peaceable, peace with all men. Be holy, he says. Don't miss the grace of God. That's where bitterness comes in, you see. If we, if we misunderstand or we miss the grace of God, we can, we can easily become bitter. Grace of God is that we don't deserve anything. It's all gift from God. So when we understand that, um, when, when we have a little bit of issue with somebody, remember, we're going to forgive. Why? Because God has forgiven us. Oh, Lord, is that fair? Well, the Lord, the Lord will do the sorting out, remember? Grace, when we understand, uh, and of course, then that leads on bitterness. The Bible says floods and spreads and, and contaminates, and, and immorality. Then it comes after natural fruit. Isaiah says, "You planted grapes, but you produced bad grapes, wild grapes, natural grapes." You see, our fruit is not natural; it's supernatural. It's supernatural. We look at the fruit in a minute. That, that fruit which is grown in life is not natural. That's what makes the difference. That the test of what we are producing will really show if we are his. Or if our soil is right and good. Selfishness, we'll read that in a moment. Selfish um, fruit, Hosea 10 is saying, Oh yes, you produce fruit, but it's all about you. And then what did he say? What, what's the, what does that produce? Altars, pride, idolatry anything before God, a heart is deceitful there as well, corrupt fruit, Matthew 7, what did he say? A corrupt tree can't produce good fruit, it'll produce bad fruit. And um, 
deceitful fruit. That which looks good, <laughs> but isn't real. Isn't real. And uh, thankfully, again, there's an antidote for that. Hosea 10. Hosea 10, uh, 12, 13. Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up the unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness. You have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on your many, on your many warriors. See, the, there's a way to get righteousness, so righteousness. He said, how would you do that? Seek the Lord. But because, you see, when, we, when we're seeking and praying, what are we doing? We're telling God we need him. We're relying upon him. But he says, you have not. You, you've sown wickedness. You've reaped deception. Because why? Because you've relied upon yourself and upon other men, warriors. See, that's the key, isn't it? Seeking, praying just shows how much dependence we're on him. Looking at those roots. Oh, the Bible says, watch those roots. The love of money, the root of all evil, the bitter root. And others, and sometimes we've got to do a bit of digging, and maybe revisiting. <laughs> and uh, that's interesting to revisit those areas that sometimes we put away uh, baggage. Sometimes that is uh, maybe you know all different types of baggage, isn't it? We looked at that before: handbag, backpack, suitcase, or big trunk you have that is up in the attic that um, is, is got stuff that not, is hidden away. But sometimes we need to revisit that to actually get rid of the baggage. What does the Bible say? He said to the disciples, go and take no bag with you. <laughs> we, can, we can read into that, can't we? Take nothing with you. Take no baggage with you. And sometimes we've got to revisit those areas and sometimes um, we've just got to really dig them up. First, we dig them up. Because there's sin, unresolved sin. And you see, sin is only sorted out by one way, confession, repentance. Um, sometimes we, we, we can change uh, circumstances, or as we said before, change this, change that, change our job, change uh, the missus maybe, change the kids, can't do that. Uh, change, and, and we think time, uh, we think time, because time's gone a long time, that's resolved. No, 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 no. Time don't mean anything. Remember, in, in God's sight, time don't mean anything. One day, thousand years, thousand years, one day. Listen to what um, David said. Psalm, we could read Psalm 32, which is a, a psalm which we read regularly, but how about Psalm 38, 4 to 5, 4 to 8. For my iniquities have gone over my head, mm -hmm. as in heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are filled with loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I am brought by reason of the disquietness of my heart. It's a great description of guilt, isn't it? And of sin, an unresolved sin. Guilt weighing him down. And of course, some say that he became a leper at that time after the Bathsheba sin. And uh, so the weight of sin. And of course, he, he thought time had gone. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember the uh, husband's name. He died. Got rid of him. Hmm? 
Uriah, he sorted him out. They'd married. He thought, oh, everything's okay now. And Nathan comes along and we know the story, begins to tell him the story. Of course, the baby's born now. He's gone nine months and um, maybe a year's gone by. And uh, Nathan said, you are that man. See, he had to revisit that which was not being resolved, not being repented of. And the Bible says David got before the Lord and he wept, he fasted, and he prayed. And we know Psalm 51 is a wonderful psalm that came out of it. Um, you know, honesty, openness, repentance, no excuses, <laughs> repentance. Revisit those places, those areas where we um, unresolved sin, unresolved uh, unforgiveness, um, issues, what people have said, what people have done. We've got to revisit those and we've, we've got to repent. You say, dear, I, I, was, the, I was the one wronged. But you've got to repent that you've held it so long. You've not forgiven them. Remember, the Lord is the Lord will deal with everything else. Your issue is making sure there's no sin, there's no unresolved root that will that will. And you see, isn't it amazing? Sometimes we think we're resolved, but it could be like in that trunk upstairs, and something will come along, and poof, the dust is swept away, and we think, oh yeah. Perhaps it isn't resolved. <laughs> but revisit. David had to revisit to repent. To repent of it. And remember, a number of times he had to do that. Remember, he had to revisit Saul's sin. Remember, there was famine. And he said, Lord, what's happening around here? He said, uh, there's, a, there's trouble. Um, you need to go and, and sort it. Saul did, did some wicked things, killed a number of people um, immorally. And David had to, re had to revisit that to get it squared up. Remember, in his pride... He said, let me number the people, and, and even Joab, who was a bit of a, a snake, he said, no, you don't need to do that, you don't need to do that. He said, I'm doing it, mind your own business. And off he did, and then the Bible said the Lord uh, convicted him full of pride. And of course, remember, pride caused more trouble, trouble than his adultery. His pride caused more death than adultery, remember that? Pride is awful, isn't it? Because it, it, it branches into all these other places. And he had to, he had to, do, he had to repent, he had to um, get before the Lord. He said, I will sacrifice to the Lord. So revisit. Revisit not just for repentance, but for restoration. Bless the Lord. Peter, John 21, 50 to 17. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, love us thee more than these. Hmm. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, second time, Simon, son of Jonas, knowest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, knowest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Knowest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Peter had to revisit the denial, didn't he? He had to revisit the three times he denied the Lord. He had to revisit and make sure that they were square. Because there would be no ministry without revisiting those and correcting those for restoration. You see, and the, and the, and the motivation for Peter was loving God, isn't it? Motivation for ministry is always loving God because that will keep us going. 
when we think we're giving up, when we think we're not doing anything, we think of this, we're loving we're doing it for him. It's all about him, we're loving him. So he had to square him up, bring him back to the real issue and to for restoration. The church of Ephesus, Revelation 2, he says, go back to what you did at first, your first love. Go back. It's interesting in, in Numbers 14, when Israel were just about to go in, they turned back in Kadesh Barnea. And uh, we find in Numbers 20, 40 years later, where were they? Kadesh Barnea. Same place uh, to go in again. You've got to go back sometimes to revisit, to root up, to be restored. Sometimes sin, sometimes issues, sometimes things that have been left undone and said, square them up for restoration. But also revisiting sometimes for revelation. Bless the Lord. Genesis 26. 18 to 22. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. But the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. He called them by names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servant dug the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herd men of Gur quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well, Isaac, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that <laughs> one also. So he called the name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called the name Reho. Oh, I can't say it. Because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. See, before he got to that place of fruitfulness, Isaac had to and stop, revisit the wells of his father Abraham. <clears throat> reopened, not just means reopened, but actually means there's a, there's a seeking out there as well. It wasn't, you know, he had to seek them out because the Bible says they were stopped up. They were hidden as well as stopped up. So there's not just a reopen, there was a searching. And uh, that's why it's really, really very important to um, read those biographies, autobiographies of great men and women of old, because we remember before we get revelation, extra revelation, if you like, <laughs> like that word, but you know what I mean. Um, we've got to remember, remind ourselves of our forefathers, and uh, some of those will really inspire you. Dig up those wells, but then when you dig up the wells, there will be opposition because they dug more wells and there was opposition. But then you'll come into that place where there's room, broad enlargement, revelation, fruitfulness, they said. And, uh, but, so we need to revisit sometimes why we're here. The, the, the roots of our, our movement sometimes. And I love reading all the great men and women of God, maybe not just in Pentecost. I love, of course, I love Wesley's, one of my favorites. And, and all these great men who started, you know, and of course, 
sadly, like like most denominations, second, third, fourth generation, they drift away, and uh, they'd be. I mean, Booth was another one, wouldn't he? For the Salvation Army, man, man, just such a passion to get people saved, and uh, we need to redig those wells sometimes before we move on, and, and for the Lord to to give us revelation. So revisit the root, dig up those roots, revisit them. So repentance, restoration, revelation. Well, thankfully, to get that good soil, we need water. And of course, we've got no shortage of that, have we? Um, but as we just read, uh, uh, Hebrews 6, the soil is going to retain the water, isn't it? Because we can have, uh, if it's not good soil, it get, the water can run away and it's no good at all. It's got to retain, retain the word of the Lord. Well, of course, we know water is the word, the Bible tells us, and water, Holy Spirit. Um, so we need both. Uh, Psalm 1, we know these verses, but we read it. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. And he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit, his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, the word... Of course, it is about association. Be careful. That's why we need fellowship, don't we? Good associations to water, water, water. That's why we come and we encourage, watch, care for each other, watch each other where we go in. The bitter root, remember? Grace of God. But he says, if we love God, we delight in God's word, what happens? We are planted by uh, rivers of water. And then we will yield fruit. We need water. We need his word. Um, and of course that word to be retained um, and that's why it's good to remember and meditate something we don't talk about so much but meditation remember med biblical meditation is actually putting into our mind is not emptying our mind although not difficult for some of us I know but to actually put the word into our mind so we take a verse and we we mutter it during the day we bring it back to our memory Remember we talked about the, the, the cow chewing the cud? He has a few goes, didn't he? Three or four times he brings it back up. He says, I think I've had enough of this now. He has a go at it. He's chewing it. A, a, a character of God. Bless the Lord. A, a hymn, a chorus. Wonderful things to meditate on. But we need the word because it's water. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. So blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I, I sh can you just read the two verses before, Jack? I should have put those two verses in because it, it's contrast there. Well, five and six? Yes, please. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man who depends on flesh for his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. See, there's the contrast. Trusting in ourselves. 
our own ways, not in his word, not putting our trust in him, faith as opposed uh, to fear. Remember we looked last week at uh, Matthew 25 and his problem was, what did he say? I didn't do it because I, I thought you were this, this and this and I was afraid. Fear will stop us, hinder us and do all those things. And we need not be afraid, why? Because we are putting our faith in the one who's in control and he's our father. And of course, then it says, that's how we become fruitful. When we put our trust in him, we are grounded, rooted, and we'll bear fruit even in desert times, even in the famine times. Bless the Lord. Um, uh, Psalm 92 says, um, what does he say? Uh, Blessed are those who um, are rooted, grounded in the house of the Lord. Um, they will be like a palm tree. Like be, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. They will bring fruit even in old age. They will be fresh and green. No excuses. Oh, I'm too old. Look, if, you, if your time is done and you're too old, the Lord will take you. If, if you've still got breath in your lungs, it's time to be fruit, fruitful and fresh and green. And again, that's nothing to do with the Lord. He's given us the ability. Get planted, get rooted, and get your soil sorted out. Get the, get the water, get the word, root it up, get weeding, bless the Lord. Also, of course, it's not just that. It can be, uh, can be painful, isn't it? Because the Bible says, we're reading a moment in John 15, he, he loves to prune. And um, it, it, when, we, when we prune, we think, how silly, because I'm cutting it back, aren't I? And... Uh, and I remember we've got two bushes in the front of the house and pain in the neck, and they aren't too big. I remember really hammering them. Oh, 15 years ago, maybe. And Jackie, maybe longer than that. And Jackie said, why have we done to those? They made me red. You messed those up. And I said, look, that's how you're supposed to do it. My mum told me. My mum was a bit of a gardener. Prune them back. What happens? I, I, I didn't want them to come back so well the next year, but they were, they were twice as big next year. Why? Because that's how... That's how the plant, that's how, that's how it works. <laughs> now we'll not go into who can look after plants. That's not now. Because there's no plant outside, yes. Anything inside the house, give it to us and Jackie will sort it out for you. They'll be finished. But it's painful, you see, because fruitfulness comes from death as well. Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, <coughs> goodness, and faith. Meekness, tenderness, and there is no more. And they that are Christ have been crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain, provoking one another, envying one another. What does he say? Crucified. See, they have crucified themselves, you see, because this supernatural fruit will always be counteracted, which if you read the verses before, counteracted by the fruit of the flesh. Remember, the old man is dead, but the old nature, oh, there's still a bit there, isn't it? Oh, I was thinking the other day, dear me, Lord, and it's still a bit there, that flesh. That's why we need to kill it. That's why we need to die. What did Jesus say? Uh, John 12, uh, when a grain of wheat falls to the ground, um, if it remains there, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. It's got to die. It's got to die. That outer shell has got to die. 
it's got to be buried, the seed, obviously, we understand that. And then that seed has to have the right environment. And then that seed has, uh, breaks out, it dies, it's left behind for the seed to actually germinate and to function. It's death. And uh, that's painful sometimes. But to be fruitful, the Bible says, endure discipline. He's doing it. Why? To produce fruit and for you to become fruitful. So people will be, and you, what happens? He becomes glorified. We look on Sunday morning. He's glorified. So what is happening in our lives? How fruitful are we? How, how much are we putting that fork in to dig in and to dig out those weeds? And uh, can we identify those weeds in our lives? Um, if we're honest with the Lord, the Holy Spirit will pinpoint them. And if we're still uh, a little bit slow, he'll bring circumstances along to highlight those, isn't it? So if, if, say, for example, if we're not very patient or long-suffering, I guarantee the Lord will bring a person alongside Ooh, to make you more long-suffering and patient. Why? And of course, the first thing we do, our flesh points at them. Ah, they're, they're, they're not. And what do we say? The Bible says, look at yourself first. I'm first. Deal with that plank before you take the speck. Why? Because God, all I'm, I ultimately, I've got to deal with, when I stand before the Lord, first thing he's going to say, Dave, let's look at you first. Let's look at your books. Let's look at the books you said last week. Look at the books of your life, your stewardship. So God is into us being fruitful. And that takes, we need a good soil. The soil is up to us, whether we cultivate it, whether we sow, whether we sow righteousness, whether we seek the Lord, whether we put his word into our hearts, whether we trust him, faith in him, whether we are killing, dying, pruning those, uh, those things and those dead wood, it's got to go. We love to hold on to it, didn't we? Because it, it, you know, a, a tree can look magnificent, but it may be half dead wood. And if it isn't cut off, it'll kill the rest of it. It's got to be cut away. Even though it looks good, when it's, it's amazing when you cut it away, I, I, it's nothing inside. It's all hollow and broken. Just needed someone to cut it away to actually find out. Um, so our last, last uh, reading, which we know very well, which is really making sure we're in him. See, to, to be fruitful, we have to be in good soil, but we have to be in him. Bless the Lord. Jane, uh, John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my re- re- words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Abide, well, dependent, remaining, following his word, obedience to his word, walk as Jesus did, that's how we abide. We are in his word, we are allowing his word to have effect. We are obeying it, we are walking as Jesus did. 
That's how we become fruitful. Let us examine our hearts, isn't it? Let's identify those things and now let's root them out. Oh, David, they've been there a long time. They may have been there a long time. They're too long. It's time to go, isn't it? Time for those areas to be really rooted up. Difficult, going to take some time. Sometimes we think um, it's overnight. Some things are, aren't they? Uh, maybe a habit, God delivers us like that. You know, some habits, but some habits take a bit of time. You know, a process. Either way, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be uh, fruitful in these last days. Why? Because we want people to see Jesus. Ah, bless the Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.